Well, as we look at chapter 8, there is one question that you need to know the answer to. What is the one thing in life that we all face? It's death, isn't it? Some people might be really aware of the fact. Some people go around doing crazy stunts, pretending they're never going to die. But I think most people tend to ignore it, push it into the background. Yet all around us are reminders of this truth. Uh, you just turn on the news and you hear about it. The, like the bushfires raging across the state. Cancer striking when we least expect it. We hear sirens going down the street and we just hope that everything's okay. All around us is the shadow of death. In our hearts, we fear it, hoping that it won't come near to us or the people that we love. This reality, this fear of death, is what runs through today's passage. We see four separate incidents, and all of them are marked by the common fear of death. Death is casting a shadow in the lives of all these different people. Which might make you think that this morning we're in for a depressing and sad sermon. You know, I'm back and I'm preaching about death. But it's the complete opposite. Uh, Today, we're going to see that Jesus has overcome death. Today, the news is good news because each event ends in victory. So let's take a look at how these events play out. And as we do, I want you to notice three things. Uh, First, notice the problem. Second, notice the solution. And thirdly, have a look and see how people react to what happens. So together, there's four scenarios, and we're looking for three things, the problem, the solution, and the reaction. Great. Well, let's look at our first section where Jesus overcomes drowning. Have a look down at verse 22. One day, Jesus said to his disciples, let's go over to the other side of the lake. So they got into into a boat and set out. As they sailed... He fell asleep. A squall came down on the lake so that the boat was being swamped and they were in great danger. The disciples went and woke him saying, Master, Master, we're going to drown. The problem? The disciples are going to drown. Uh, if you've ever been in a, in a boat, you can just imagine it. Or, you know, even this morning we were there, you know, the rain coming in. You can just imagine sailing across this big lake, a huge storm comes and starts throwing their tiny little fisherman boat all around. These guys were professional fishermen. They were used to being on the lake. And meanwhile, Jesus is looking for some rest away from the big crowds and he's having a sleep. But the disciples are fearing for their lives The fear of death is no longer in the background. It is right before their eyes. They're going to drown unless something miraculous happens. Which is exactly what happens next. In verse 24. The disciples went and woke him, that's Jesus, saying, Master, Master, we're going to drown. He got up and rebuked the wind and the raging waters. The storm subsided and all was calm. Jesus gets up and seemingly without any hesitation, he calms the storm. 
In that moment, he displays his authority and power. He stops the storm just by speaking to it. Jesus is the solution to the disciples' problem. But more than that, as the storm clouds disappear, so does their fear of death. They're safe. But look and see how the event finishes in verse 25. Where is your faith? He asked his disciples. In fear and amazement, they asked one another, Who is this? He commands even the wind and the water and they obey him. Jesus wants to know why they didn't trust him. But they are just struck by the sheer power of Jesus to control nature. Something that for anyone else would have been uncontrollable. And we're going to think more about this later on. For now, let's move to our second event in the passage as they continue across the lake to a territory uh, which is mostly populated by Gentiles, non-Jews, where Jesus overcomes demons. Have a look in verse 26. They sailed to the region of the Gerasenes, which is across the lake from Galilee. When Jesus stepped ashore, he was met by a demon-possessed man from the town. For a long time, this man had not worn clothes or lived in a house, but had lived in the tombs. The problem that arises here is there's a man who is so totally controlled by demons. And once again, death is evident. The man has lost his mind. And did you notice where he's living? Amongst the tombs, with the dead. So here's a guy filled with creatures from the dead, living amongst the dead. Now, most people would be scared of this guy. But have a look and see who he is afraid of. In verse 28. When he, the demon-possessed man, saw Jesus, he cried out and fell at his feet, shouting at the top of his voice, What do you want with me, Jesus, Son of the Most High God? I beg you, don't torture me. For Jesus had commanded the evil spirit to come out of the man. The demons inside the man know what Jesus has the power to do. And once again, Jesus is the solution. But I reckon people love to play up this uh, battle between Jesus and the devil. In movies, it's sometimes pitched as this kind of epic battle waiting to happen at the end of time. You know, battle of opposing forces so great you don't know who's going to win. Good versus evil. But there's no great battle waiting to happen here. Jesus has already overcome. He has already won. And just like he calmed the storm with words, so too he casts out these demons. In fact, he lets them go into some pigs in verse 32. A large herd of pigs was feeding there on the hillside. The demons begged Jesus to let them go into them and he gave them permission. When the demons came out of the man, they went into the pigs and the herd rushed down the steep bank and the lake into the lake and was drowned. Another dramatic display of the power of Jesus. But those who were watching on, who just lost a whole lot of bacon, went and spread the report in the town and the countryside and everyone came to have a look at this man. Jump down to verse 35. When they came to Jesus, they found the man from whom the demons had gone out 
sitting at Jesus' feet, dressed and in his right mind, and they were afraid. Those who had seen it told the people how the demon-possessed man had been cured. Then all the people of the region of the Gerasenes asked Jesus to leave them because they were overcome with fear. These people couldn't believe that there was someone who had this kind of power over death. So their reaction is complete fear. Twice Luke notes how afraid they are. But the man who's been cured, well, he has a different response. He is not afraid of Jesus. In fact, he wants to go in the boat with Jesus. But instead, Jesus says to him in verse 39, he says, Return home and tell how much God has done for you. So the man went away and told all over the town how much Jesus had done for him. This guy is so thankful to Jesus that he goes away excited, not scared, telling everyone about what God had done for him. It's a big contrast, isn't it, to the reaction of the crowds. You know, last week I read a story of a young ophthalmologist, that's someone who looks at eye diseases, and he'd just finished studying and he decided to open his own practice. But after a while, without many friends in the area, he didn't have much money, didn't really get any good customers, he started to get pretty discouraged. Until one day he met a blind man. And looking at this man's eyes, he said to him, why don't you have your eyesight restored? Come and see me in my office tomorrow morning. The blind man went and had the operation, which proved to be successful. But the patient said to him, I'm extremely poor. I can't afford to pay you for this. You can pay, said the doctor. There's just one thing I want you to do. Go and tell everybody that you can now see you used to be blind and then tell them who it was that healed you. That's just like what Jesus told the cured man to do, to share what God had done for him. And look, after all the wonderful things that God has done for us, surely we should do the same. Anyway, off went this man heralding the good news and on Jesus sailed to his next destination. And our next event, number three, where Jesus overcomes disease. Now, as Jesus arrives back on the shores of Galilee, he's met by what seems to be a large crowd. But immediately, a man comes rushing out of the crowd before him in verse 41. Then a man named Jairus, a ruler of the synagogue, came and fell at Jesus' feet, pleading with him to come to his house because his only daughter, a girl of about 12, was dying. So Jesus hears that this girl is dying and immediately responds to the concerns of Jairus and heads off through the crowd to see her. But these crowds, they're very congested and they're almost crushing Jesus. Now, growing up in Sydney, I know what it feels like to be in a crowd like this. I used to catch the train to school every day right in the middle of peak hour. And the trains were packed full with hardly any room to breathe. And then you pull up to the next station and more people would want to get on. You'd be thinking really skinny thoughts. <laughs> well, as Jesus, as Jesus heads to the house of Jairus, he's surrounded by this crowd. And this walk, though, is seemingly halted by a woman in the crowd. And as if the shadow of death was not dark enough here with a 12-year-old girl dying, 
Look at what this woman has been dealing with for the last 12 years. Have a look at the end of verse 42. As Jesus was on his way, the crowds almost crushed him. And a woman was there who'd been subject to bleeding for 12 years, but no one could heal her. She came up behind him and touched the edge of his cloak, and immediately her bleeding stopped. Here we have the problem and the solution in the space of two sentences. This nameless woman had been bleeding for 12 years with no hope of a cure. And surely even she would have been thinking that death wasn't far away. But with just the touch of Jesus' cloak, she's healed. Despite the crowd and probably to the frustration of Jairus and Peter even notices, Jesus feels what's happened and he stops. And in verse 46 he says, Someone's touched me. I know that power has gone out from me. Then the woman, seeing that she could not go unnoticed, came trembling and fell at his feet. In the presence of all the people, she told why she had touched him and how she'd been instantly healed. Then he said to her, daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace. So just as the disciples and the crowds before her, this woman comes trembling with fear to Jesus. His power to overcome such a disease seemed overwhelming, but Jesus, he doesn't want her to be afraid. In fact, he's glad that she had faith in him, and so he sends her off in peace. But just as they're celebrating how this woman has been saved from dying, word comes from Jairus' house in verse 49. While Jesus was still speaking, someone came from the house of Jairus, the synagogue ruler. Your daughter is dead, he said. Don't bother the teacher anymore. Which takes us to our final scene of the chapter where Jesus overcomes death itself. With the distractions and the crowd, Jairus seems to have lost hope. You know, like an ambulance stuck in heavy traffic, unable to get to the scene in time. And Jesus, he's done some pretty amazing things so far, but this time it's not just stopping death because death had already come. But Jesus, he sees no problem. Have a listen to what he says in response in verse 50. Hearing this, Jesus said to Jairus, Don't be afraid, just believe. And she will be healed. Those simple words are going to help us think about how we ought to respond to Jesus. But before we unpack that a little bit more, let's follow through on the rest of the the recount and see how it all ends up. Jesus arrives at the house and he takes a few chosen people in with him. And uh, here's what happens from verse 52. Meanwhile, all the people were wailing and mourning for her. Stop wailing, Jesus said. She's not dead, but asleep. They laughed at him, knowing that she was dead. But he took her by the hand and said, My child, get up. Her spirit returned, and at once she stood up. This final problem is solved just as easily as all the others. People watching on doubted him, but with an outstretched hand, Jesus raises the young girl from the dead with four small words. 
And not surprisingly, Luke says the parents are astonished. Four events, four incredible solutions. Under the shadow of death in all its forms, attacking from all angles, people of all ages, Jesus showed that he could overcome whatever happened, that he can control the things that we have no control over. And I think it's worth just stopping here to be amazed at Jesus and his power to overcome death. We're going to have plenty more opportunities to marvel at Jesus as we look at Luke in the coming weeks and see the things that, he's, that Jesus has done and exactly who he is. But marveling at Jesus wasn't the way that most people in our four events reacted, was it? No, most people saw what Jesus did and were afraid. First, they were afraid of dying, and then their fear kind of transferred onto Jesus. They were afraid because as they watched Jesus overcome the natural and the supernatural effects of this world, they realized that Jesus was different from any other man. That if he could do these things, who is he? And, and what else would he do? In fact, the people of the Gerasenes, they tell him to leave straight away. They're scared that a man of this power might demand something of their life. So they just send him away. Do you fear Jesus in that way? Avoiding him or ignoring him? Because you're worried that if he really is who he says he is, then you might actually have to change something in your life. Well, Jesus, he doesn't want us to be afraid. Fear is not the appropriate response to him or to death. The two responses we get in the passage are fear, but the other one is the other one is fear and faith. Three times Jesus speaks of faith as the response that he was looking for. To the disciples, he says, where is your faith? To the woman, he says, your faith has healed you. To Jairus, he said, don't be afraid, just believe. Which brings us right back to where we began, doesn't it? Our common experience of death and the fear of it. You know, these tragic bushfires bring it right into focus. All it takes is is a moment. And if you stop to think, I'm sure there's someone, a family member, a friend, a neighbour, someone you know about who, who has died recently. It's always there, just lurking in the background. Taking young and old, a natural disaster, a car crash, a disease, or or just life happening. It can come at any time and take us or someone that we love. Death is real, it's heartbreaking, and we don't like it. In fact, we fear it. Yet death is coming for all of us, and we need to do something about it. Uh, Peter Bolt, a guy called Peter Bolt, writes... A book, and it's called Living with the Underworld, and he touches on these things. And in that, he says, If your philosophy of life has nothing to say at the grave, then it has nothing to say. Death is coming for all of us, and we need to do something about it. But the problem is, we can't do anything. And here's the good news of the Bible it does have something to say. 
Today, we've seen that Jesus can overcome what we can't. We've seen that he has power over nature and demons and disease and even death. And as you read on in Luke, to the greatest moment of Jesus' life, where he's hung upon a cross, buried for three days and then resurrected, it is then that he once and for all claims the victory over death. The victory that means we no longer have to fear death. The victory that makes the words of John 3.16 ring true. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. Faith is the only appropriate and right response to Jesus. If we believe in him, we don't have to fear death anymore because he's overcome it. And if we have faith, if we trust in Jesus, we can have eternal life. And no matter what happens in life, no matter what tragedy strikes, we can trust in the one who's more powerful than it all. Jesus God's son, the one who has victory over death so that we can have life. Jesus is saying to us today the same thing that he said to Jairus. Don't be afraid, just believe. Why don't I pray? Heavenly Father, we want to praise you and thank you for sending your son to earth. Thank you that you promise us that whoever believes in Jesus will not die but have eternal life. Please comfort us by that, that we'll no longer be afraid of death. Instead, help us to put our trust firmly in you. And we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.